this episode of Dig Me Out. Even the way it's sequenced doesn't make any sense. He's doing what the genre sort of calls for. Oh, I gotta call you out on that. Pop punk song after pop punk song after pop punk song. I mean, I hate to say this, but I could see them touring with The Offspring. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi. Joining me, my co-host, Jay Ziak. Jay, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. We are technical difficulty difficulty free uh, at the moment. Spring up at any any time, so I got my. You really fingers... shouldn't say that ten seconds into the podcast. I got my away. fingers crossed that we're gonna make it through this one, at least one episode without a hitch or a hiccup. Yeah, it'd be nice. We are going to review an album tonight that you selected. And, oh. Yeah. This was your pick. Do you not remember oh. picking this? No, I do. Oh, okay. And it's our first Columbus band, which is kind of cool. For those of you who are uh, outside of the state of Ohio or um, are Dutch listeners, for example. Um, <laughs> or Amish. Or Amish. All, uh, to all of our Amish fans. Aborigines and uh, those in the Serengeti. Uh, we are reviewing a band from our home city, or I wouldn't say home city, because it's not actually where we were born. Well, uh, it's our home city now. Well, it's our home city now. But I, don't you sort of consider, like, you're from Amherst, Ohio. Don't you consider that you're, like, your home city, but you live in Columbus now? Not I sort really, know. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I say, um, you know. When you hear, place. when you hear, um... Mellencamp's My Hometown, you think of, you have images of Amherst bouncing through your head. Yeah, I guess. Is that Mellencamp or is that Springsteen? You know that song, My Hometown? I can't uh, remember. I that's Springsteen. Is it Springsteen? I get those guys mixed up in the 80s. Some There was like a crisscross between some of their stuff in the 80s. And yeah, that is true. Yeah. But we're not reviewing Springsteen or Mellencamp. We're reviewing Gaunt. Gaunt, a, a, uh, I guess you could say probably one of the most successful bands in the Columbus music scene history, um, if, if you judge that by actually getting signed to major labels. Are they bigger than the gods? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, they might not be bigger than the gods, but they might be bigger than Keel. So I'm going to get into the history for those Do it. who don't know Gaunt. Gaunt formed here in Columbus in 1991. Between 91 and 94, they didn't put anything out, and they went through a lot of lineup changes. They finally released their al- their debut album, Sob Story, in 94, produced by... You want to take a, a guess who produced this Midwestern uh, album, this famous Midwestern producer known for his uh, production on uh, uh, a lot of alternative albums? In the late 80s, early 90s? Mutt Lang. No! <laughs> Close. Steve Albini. Okay, wow. Yes. Steve Albini re- uh, produced the first album. It was released on Thrill Jockey and Crypt Records. They then uh, released an album a year for the rest of the decade. In 95, actually they released two albums. I Can See Your Mom From Here and then Yeah, Me Too, both on... Um, I don't know if they were both with... Uh, yeah, Me Too came out on Amphetamine Reptile Records. And then in 96, they released Kryptonite on Thrill Jockey. 
the band had uh, all but broken up at that point, and they weren't really doing anything. And they were approached. This is a weird story. They were approached by Warner Brothers to put out a record. And they released the album, which we're reviewing, Bricks and Blackouts, which came out, which uh, was released in 98, and then the band broke up again. Sadly, uh, in the early 2000s, vocalist Jerry Wick uh, was killed while um, riding his bicycle. He was hit by a car. And uh, Gaunt hasn't released any material uh, since his death. No you know, unreleased stuff or B-sides or anything. And the only other significant note I would say is that the drummer was uh, Sam Brown who played in a number of Columbus bands and then was actually signed back to Warner Brothers with the band The Sun and yes, that's indeed. it yeah that's it so he uh, Jerry Wick died when? it was like 2000 or 2001 we were in Columbus yeah we were in, I actually remember when it happened I remember you know obviously we for some were, reason I thought it happened like just before we moved here but no, it just it was right around after we had moved here. Uh, for for the listening audience, so that you're aware of our timelines, because this is important to this. Uh, both uh, Jay and I moved to Columbus post college uh, in the uh, I guess it would be summer of '98. Summer '98, yeah, fall '98, somewhere in there. This is a band that when we moved here, you, you heard about, or you heard a lot about. But never, I never heard them. They weren't. Um, I don't remember them playing at the time, which is weird because this album came out right about the time we moved here. They were more of like, I don't know. They just seemed like by the time we got into the music scene, which didn't take very long, it seemed like they had been gone. Um, didn't it? I mean, yeah, do you well, remember I... hearing about them playing any gigs or anything when we were down here? Or From what anything? I read, they put out that album and then they didn't do anything. Okay. That the band was essentially done, and they put out the album as a way to make take one last stab at something, and nothing happened with the album. So Do you I, know anything about this material? Is this material like written for this album, or is this leftover stuff? Or it was written. It was written for the album, and I guess you know. And, and this is the first I ever heard Gaunt. I haven't gone back and listened to the other stuff. Um, We'll get into that. I only have this as a reference point, so I don't know if this sounds completely different than what they sounded like, or you know, I you know, Steve Albini did the first record, so I got to imagine it sounds a little bit different than this. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that these guys were around at the same time as Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments, who were pretty lo-fi. They were around at the same time that Guided by Voices was primarily a Ohio. Uh, band and a, and a sort of an institution in Dayton and Columbus. So I would imagine that maybe the earlier stuff is a little more lo-fi than this album. Mm-hmm. This album sounds pretty produced. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to uh, start it off here since you brought the album, or do you want to dig into this? Sure, dig in. All right. Well, like I said, this is my first exposure to Gaunt. And I listened to this record all the way through, and then I listened to it again. And I think there were like two tracks on here that I really liked. And then a lot of the rest of it reminded me of a lot of pop punk from the 90s that I wasn't really into. And I'm still not sold on that sort of genre. Because it's, you get like the cool pop punk, which leans more on the punk side. 
in like bands like Seaweed and Bad Religion, which I like. But then you also kind of lean over into the mallish pop punk, like Blink-182, which I don't like. And if this was an attempt to make a radio-friendly, more accessible album, I think they succeeded on a lot of fronts. The good songs, which I like, are uh, track two, 97th Tier. It's got a great hook, great chorus, really catchy song. Probably, aside from one of the the mellow song in the album, which is song six, it's probably the least pop punk, more more alt rock of the of the bunch. And up until about, I would say, track five and six, I, I sort of was into it. It just seemed like the whole back end of the album was just loaded with like pop punk song after pop punk song after pop punk song, and it didn't really vary much in terms of tempo or songwriting in the way that the first five or six songs did. I really like the fifth song, Glitter. You know, if there's one thing that the 90s were sort of known for, it was having a pessimistic lyrical attitude. And I tried to pay attention to the lyrics a little bit more. And there's a repeating uh, line in the chorus where he says, uh, Jerry Wick says, I dare you to touch the sun, I dare you to have some fun. It's almost like like a call out. To that attitude of we have to be miserable in order to be you know art- artistic and and thought-provoking like we can actually dare to have some fun which i like mm-hmm. but a lot of it just sort of flew by me and i was like oh this is i mean the i didn't feel like the riffs were very inventive on a lot of the songs and i didn't feel like it one thing that i heard about jerry wick and read about him was that he was a great uh songwriter and that he brought a lot of melody. And I definitely got the melody, but I just didn't, like, a lot of the lyric stuff didn't stick with me. And I was really paying close attention to that. Um, and maybe Well, was... I mean, I think the, you know, lyrically, you know, it's pretty, I guess it's in the, um, in the same school as maybe, um, shit, what's the band from Dayton? <laughs> that everybody in the 90s, all the indie rock bands that were falling. Guided by Voices. Yes. It's sort of like in that realm a little bit so that, you know, the titles are kind of abstract and bizarre and lyrically like, you know, there's some reference points where you know where he's talking about and there's other points where it makes no sense. I think the thing that to me though is it does, it, it has the, it has the pop punk element going on and mostly that's rhythmically. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but I think it does a really good job if you get past the verses, especially the first verse usually, because, you know, for me, the first verse, I was, you know, probably had the same reaction you did, where my eyes would roll a little bit and be like, oh boy, here we go. You know, it sounds like a Pennywise song or somebody. <laughs> it was. They always, ex- with the exception of maybe three songs, they always do something, you know, in that first chorus or even pre-chorus 
that is not pop, you know it's not pop punk at all and that's really to me where you know the light goes on and where there's something special happens and where they become a unique band um and, and lyrically i think one of the things that's interesting for me about this is that if you look at two i think two of the best songs on here are 97th tier which is track two definitely pop song which is track seven especially pop song they don't have very many lyrics in that song at all and it's hooky as hell guy's got he's obviously got a huge talent for melody and they do a lot with guitars to to kind of reinforce that and it you know they're able to create these you know really short cool pop songs without you know it just sounds effortless to them it's 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 pretty pretty interesting for me and from that standpoint now this album has 15 songs on it. There's Way not too many. Um, now, saying that, keep in mind, there's only two that are longer than three minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty crazy. And um, But I think if they edited it down or had released it as two albums, even, you know, maybe added a couple other songs, it, it would have held up way better. Um, you know, imagine this album at like eight to ten songs with and take out you know, the two or three just boilerplate pop punk things. I think you'd have a really, really strong album. Um, I'm like you. I have no idea what the early stuff sounds like. So I'll be definitely going back and checking that out. Um, this is pretty polished from a production standpoint. Um, yeah, that was really surprising. I I, I was expecting a, a lot more grit and uh-huh. a, a dirtier sounding album. And this is really... a you know, a shiny production on this one. Um, mm-hmm. I was even expecting, you know, uh, track six, uh, which is actually the title track, Bricks and Blackouts, you mentioned Guided by Voices. It reminded me of like a Tobin Sprout Guided by Voices tune, but way better production.
And I think that song especially would lend itself to sort of a more lo-fi production with the acoustic guitar it has. And it's, it's like a mid-tempo acoustic guitar song. Yeah, that's a song that... Um... That's the only like kind of mid-tempo slow song on here, right? It's the only one. Everything else is breakneck, you know, pace. I think tracks like two and four slow down enough where you're like, well, this is just more of like a rock song. But basically, the other you know twelve tracks on here are um, rhythmically they're they're pretty quick and um, the beats are pretty, you know. You mentioned the the about what's going on in the choruses. I mean, I definitely think that the the guitar and the vocals are the thing that's carrying the band because I don't feel like, you know, as much as I respect Sam Brown, he's doing what the genre sort of calls for. Oh, I gotta call you out on that. Okay, t- call me out. I, I think this this album for me. I mean, I when we moved down here, we heard a lot about you know Sam Brown, and I saw him in the New Bob Turks several times. And in that band, he, I got that he was good seeing him, but that band was just such a punk rock band, and they never really strayed very far from that, that it was really hard to see, you know, the talent that he had within that, that band, because it was so uh, rigid, like they didn't expand the, the horizons of what that band could do. Um, when he was in the sun, you started to see, started mm-hmm. to recognize his talent. When I go back and listen to this, I think what's amazing, what he's able to do is he's able to play those punk beats, um, which, you know, obviously are very fast. But he's able to do it with, with a sense of backbeat to it, which is very, very hard. Um, you listen to a lot. That, that's one of the most annoying things about punk, punk pop for me and why it never works. It's because it's all about the snare drum and, like, being on top of the beat. And, um, you know, there's no sense of a, of, of a you know, pocket or any sort of, like, backbeat or kick drum to it right but he's able to find that which is pretty amazing for you know some of these songs are, are pretty quick and he's also able to vary it up so he doesn't just keep you know slamming that beat he'll do things where he'll play off the rim he'll play a tom thing he'll do all kinds of crazy stuff dynamically he'll do these you know really cool fills i mean from a drum standpoint you you really have to listen and i found myself doing this too that the couple of the you know the verses like i was saying they come in with such that stereotypical punk kind of vibe to them that i just kind of start like oh boy you know and i don't want to listen but if you hold on for like 20 seconds i think in most of these songs case they'll do these you know really cool dynamics or this you know harmony will come through or you know this he'll do some drum thing it's totally unexpected but i think what really again what in terms of the, of him is that he's able to, you know, play with that that format, that pop punk format, and sort of push it in places I don't think I've heard very many other drummers of that genre be able to do. The only other person I can think of is uh, the guy from Blink 182. You know, where like he's an excellent drummer. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of a douchebag now, but was <laughs> obviously the band was big. Like you could tell the dude like was really good, and he could kind of, you know do some things in that genre that other people right. weren't, weren't talented enough to do. And I think when you listen to something like this, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I came away with. And the other one was, you know, I think the guitars on here are, are also very different for that genre too. I mean, sure, there's some simple chords and some simple, you know, two or three chord pattern stuff, but there's also some just, 
you know, there's solo parts and leads and just weird noises and, you know. Well, I don't think that's straying too far when you get into, like I mentioned, like the bad religion end of pop punk. Um, but it's looser. It's it's not as like those bands like they're so like they're so precise and tight that it sort of gets sterile. And these guys are, you know, let me let me throw this throw this out to you. What you think? I was thinking that when I was listening to this today, there was something about this. I don't know if it's the vocal delivery or just the overall performances, but it I was getting the feeling of the early Spoon stuff. And not that you say you would say when you listen to the two that. You would mistake them for one another but there's like a spirit and a i don't know there's like a looseness to this that 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 i heard you know i really loved about the early spoon records that i hear in this and it's almost like if you if the spoon was you know turbocharged it would kind of sound like this at least uh, the, I, I i understand what you're saying but only for about 10 percent of this record uh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 within song, you know. If you listen, to, you know, it's it'll right. be parts of songs and not every song. And like I said, I think if you edit it down uh, to, to to like eight songs, or maybe ten, I think you'd, you'd I think you'd be able to perceive it completely differently. And I kind of wish I even the way it's sequenced doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? No, it's you not sequenced very well. It's just a bunch of songs that they had they recorded and maybe had laying around and i even like question you know i've listened to it um trying to figure out if even if like production wise if it was recorded at different times because there's like differences in the drum tones and stuff that makes me even think like they did it in different studios maybe it wasn't all done together you know there's just not a cohesiveness to it they're just like a, a grab bag of songs right which i think unfortunately you know, doesn't do it justice. So, and I, and I pulled this, you know, not being like completely in love with it, and, and not thinking that you would be. But I thought it was important, especially since you know, us being from Columbus and hearing about it for so long, and the fact that I think there are a couple songs on here that they would have supported. This could have been, could have been radio songs. Yeah, especially that ninety seventh tier song. Yeah. That's, that's got a great hook and is really catchy and i mean i hate to say this but i could see them touring with the offspring who were huge at that time you know i mean at their worst to me they kind of sound like the offspring and a really you know not that they're trying to do that but that's who i could see them being. right like, i know what you're saying yeah and, uh you know if they had their shit together i could totally see them having a couple radio hits for that time and and, and being able to tour the band like that and being totally, you know, totally comfortable and, and those fans really getting what this band was doing. So. Well, this is an interesting case because we've tended to review like either the lone album that a band released or the first album, um, and, and we don't know anything about Gaunt as far as the first albums, the first couple albums. You know, we reviewed. Um, Failure's Fantastic Planet, which is their last album, but we're all f we're familiar with their earlier stuff, so it's not as big a leap, you know, jumping into reviewing that. Whereas, I'm you know now I'm curious. I, I liked enough of this where I'm curious to hear those, you know, the album by Steve Albini and those um, other albums that came out mm -hmm. in '95 and '96, because that's I mean that's four albums in three years. That's a lot of material. 
and I'm wondering what what the quality is for that, because um, that certainly is not the norm for the '90s in terms of releasing albums. So you didn't usually no. you didn't you didn't put out three albums. That's that's credence in the oh. '60s. <laughs> that's not this. Is... 90s is when bands started taking ridiculous amounts of time to do records. Right. You know, I mean, I think even in the 80s, they moved at a faster pace. The 90s, it just came to a complete halt, and everybody took at least three years to put a record out. Right. And that was fast. So, that, I mean, that's amazing that they were able to do that. And I had no idea that they even, I mean, honestly, that they even put that many albums out. Um, so, I mean, my fear is that it's going to be more punky, which I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure I'm gonna like that, but I mean, if the guy's got it, he's got a good melodic sense. Maybe he can make it work. I don't know, but I'll definitely be going back and checking it out. Maybe we'll do another album sometime, another review sometime in the future. Definitely. So I think to sum up, you like this album quite a bit more than I do. There's a couple songs that I take away that I like off of this, but overall, not sort of my thing. But you did give me some stuff to think about that makes me want to like go back and listen to a couple of the tracks to, <laughs> to listen to the backbeat of uh, Sam Brown's drumming. Well, it's just he's got he's got he's got soul, and that's hard to do when you're playing those beats. I mean, there's not very many people who can do it, and no. he does it really well. I mean, he hits the drums hard as hell, and usually those punk. One of the tricks with with punk drumming I've learned is that um, you have a snare drum that's tuned really high. Um, like a piccolo, right. so that you don't, ha- so you can play a lot of beats and not have to hit it hard. And he's a hard hitter, so that that one that tends to slow you down just a, enough to have some feel, but also it, it makes you makes the drum sound better. You know, they don't sound all just flat. They have depth to them and stuff. So um, I, I think he's doing some cool stuff, and I think he carries the band. Honestly, I mean, I think the songwriting's there, but. It's the kind of thing where uh, he propels it all. And I don't know. I appreciate that being a drummer, and I think there's some hooks on here too. So you don't have to be a music nerd to like it. I just think there's enough hooks. And definitely. Maybe, maybe I'll come up with a an edit edited version of the album, like <laughs> say, and, and reorder it in a way that would make sense. You know. Yeah. Everybody, visit uh, digmeoutpodcast.com to read Jay's reordered and shorter version of this album uh, when this podcast <laughs> goes up. You can also uh, visit to uh, go to their Amazon uh, link uh, for this album and uh, check out. I'm sure we'll have a video up of uh, from... If I could find a video for Head Candy, I can find a video for Gaunt. There is, um, there's actually some Gaunt videos on YouTube I saw. I didn't watch them, but I saw they were there uh, actually recorded at... Uh, Stashes? stashes nice yep. so it's either gonna be stashes or bernies you can have the authentic uh, columbus experience right all right i think we're done we're gonna wrap this one up thanks for everyone for downloading the podcast visit the website for all the info on this album and on our upcoming albums that we'll be releasing be sure to click through all of our sponsors they pay us a penny and we need those pennies and that's it. We'll catch you next week. Thanks again to Jay, and we're out. I take a shortcut every day. I burn down my last hideaway. I pass on.
Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. 